So I have the privilege and an opportunity to plant the first seed of God's word in your life in the new year. It's a huge privilege. It's a great opportunity. And I was looking forward to this morning. And uh, thank God that you give us the opportunity and the privilege for us to gather in this way. We know that uh, a number of friends and family of this community are away, including the elders. That's the reason why you don't see them here. Uh, but hopefully we start to get a number of them coming back as of next week. So please continue to pray for God's protection for those of, of our brothers and sisters who are still away. So this morning I'd love to uh, open up. We are going to be journeying in the next three weeks. We are going to be looking at a short series uh, entitled Together. Um, I'd love to say it's under the banner of we are a family of God, or we are God's family. And uh, so today I'd love to focus on uh, one theme, that is, we are God's children. And next week we are going to be looking at we are worshippers, and the week after, we are servants. So under the big banner, I want you to all that we are God's family. But because we are God's family, in that, we have to position ourselves as God's children. So I want to look at that, and I will be also talking to us about the benefits of being God's children this morning. What are the benefits of being God's children? The key passage for this morning is Ephesians chapter 1. We are going to be looking from verse 3 to 14. And... Uh, there is also another passage that we'll get to. I'll give you that passage uh, later on. Just to give us a little bit of a picture in terms of the, uh, the book of Ephesians. The big idea of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, and to us, of course, is about knowing our position in Christ. That is, you read the book of Ephesians, that was Paul's idea. Knowing our position in Christ. So Paul wrote Ephesians, one of his four prison letters, while under house arrest in Rome. If you read Acts chapter 28, 16, you understand it was around AD 60 or 61. He writes the letter not to do with problems. Those of you who have studied the book of Ephesians, you find out that Paul didn't write that letter so that he can deal with problems, but to encourage the Ephesians about God's big vision for the church. That's why he wrote that letter. It was not like other letters dealing with issues. And when you read the book of Ephesians, it will cover two major, major themes. You read chapter 1 to chapter 3, there is one big theme, which is understanding God's purposes. That's how that letter is break. You know, chapter 1 to 3, it's about understanding God's purposes. Then when you read from chapter 4 to chapter 6, it is about experiencing God's purposes. 
Now, this morning, I'm not going to be touching down to the second part of the Ephesians because we are reading from chapter 1. Therefore, it is going to be touching around understanding God's purposes. But just to remind you, my theme is we are God's children and I'd love to highlight the benefits of being God's children under the big banner of we are as a church, we are a family of God. Yes, we are a family. Family is not just those who you were born with biologically. And we are going to discover here that God has brought us all together through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the reason why I said we are a family when we call ourselves brothers and sisters. So turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We are going to be reading from verse 3 to 14. Let's read God's word. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be only and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. So we are adopted into God's family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, not our desire. This is what he wanted to do. So God's desire was to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. And it gave him great pleasure, by the way. That's what the scripture said. It gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us. I just love that word. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. That's all wisdom. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Not our plans. His own good plan. And this is the plan. The Bible states, at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. Understand the terminology here. We have received, which means it is already done. We have received an inheritance from God for he chose us in advance and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purposes, God's purpose was that we Jew, 
obvious not me, I'm reading what Paul wrote, who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. There's the purpose. Who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now, you Gentiles, now including Gentile meaning the people who are not Jew, like you and I. People were like outsiders who were not part of God's covenant with the Israelites. He said, now you Jew, uh, you Gentiles, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. What a great plan that God had and he still have for his church. Father, we thank you, we bless you, we honor you for your word. We thank you for the plan that you have for our lives. We thank you for the plan you have for your church. Thank you for your adoption. Thank you that we are adopted in your family through Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that this will be true to us when we leave this place today. We will understand the benefits of what it means to be your children. In your name, Christ, I pray. Amen. What a very rich and meaty passage. Paul says that because we are united with Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. That's in verse 3. By the way, how many of you love blessings? Everyone here. That's good. At least now I'm encouraged even to continue. This is so important to note because many Christians today go blessing hunting. Many Christians today go blessing hunting. I know some of you even last night already, you were making a list of blessing hunting in 2023, last year. The things that I'm going to be hunting in 2023, we make a list. These are the things I'm going to be hunting. Blessing hunting, that's the correct way. There is nothing wrong to have a desire. But I'll get to my point. There is nothing wrong to desire the good things because God is the giver of all great gifts. But we have to be careful because blessing hunting when Christians go for it, in their minds, they are thinking that this experience or that meeting will provide what they feel is lacking. If I can go there, if I can do ABC, if I can, you know, if I can, you know, if some experience can have it, then it will provide what is lacking in me or in my life. But Paul says that we already have everything we need to lead lives that please to God. This is interesting. 
It's a you wanting blessings, you already have it. And I'm poor. I don't see it. Now, it is your understanding of blessing that's a problem. So, last night, which is already last year, before midnight, my family and I hold hands together. We hold hands, we are standing, we had a V&L up front before midnight and we were thanking God. We went into the mall and we found a quiet place, we just hold hands. I start to lead prayer. We start to thank God, all of us, for his protection and for his provision. Last year. Then when we get to the end and we said amen, while holding hands, because my family is here, they didn't know. I'm a pastor. I'm their pastor. I am I'm very sensitive to movement, to what I hear, to what I see. Then I quick screened the circle to see the facial expression. I wanted to sense whether there was any negative emotions, excitement, or perhaps sadness. I sensed joy in all of us, like all of them. Then I asked them if they would like to go out and do the countdown with the rest of the crowd. There were hundreds of people. Of course, no one would say no to such a great offer. They said yes. So they agreed to it. Then we all rushed out and uh, yes, we did the countdown and uh, it was New Year. By the way, Happy New Year once again. So after that, the one thing that you might not know about me is that I don't like crowd but I can manage to speak in front of crowd, but I cannot afford to be around a big crowd. <laughs> so I hold our last born, AJ, and walk with him back into the mall. We sat down, and uh, the rest of them, they were with the crowd celebrating there, then I looked for a place where it was a little bit quiet, and we found a chair, we sat there. Then he asked me a question. He said this, Dad, what has changed now that we are in the new year? Okay, it might sound like it's a very small, simple, maybe even consider it silly question. But yet we all have expectations. And I wanted to understand, I didn't want to push that question away. I didn't want to shut my boy down. I wanted to understand. I looked at him. Um, he, he was looking very tired. He was looking worried. And he was looking sad at the same time. So in other ways, his expectation maybe were not met. I needed to understand why he asked the question. So I quick rushed and got him a cold drink. Not to avoid his question, but to keep him awake so that we can have a conversation. 
By the way, asking is good. Because it's by asking that we get to know. In fact, it's biblical to ask because God encourages us to ask him. And there is no such thing as a silly question. And I was glad my boy asked. And he did not go ask a stranger, but he asked the father because he understands the relationship. If I was a silly parent, I would actually avoided and ignored and said, you're just a little child. Just give. But here's what I said to him. I said to him, son, some things have changed or will change, but some things won't change. And I gave him the example. I said, the calendar, for instance, is going to change. It's not going to be 2022 again. It's going to be 2023. But here are the things that are not going to change. For instance, I am your father. I am still going to be your father. You are still going to be my son. Is that okay? You understand that that is permanent. It's not going to change. Yes. My boy laughed because that sounds very silly-like. Then I told him, the other thing is that if you leave this place, we are going to be driving back home. Our house hasn't changed. The food we left into the fridge, they're the same. They're there. We'll find them. We'll hit them. And they also step into 2023. They're already in 2023. So nothing has changed in terms of these other things, but the calendar has changed. Why am I telling you this? If you are a child of God, in order for you to understand what belongs to you in terms of the benefits of being a child of God, you have to be in a position to understand what has changed and what hasn't changed and what will never change. Otherwise, without the understanding of what has changed, what has never changed, what has already been done for you, without that, you will be a blessing hunter. You'll be hunting blessings everywhere because you haven't come to realize and understand, or maybe you don't know because you've never asked. I saw my boy after that conversation he came back to life because he understood. By the way, we, do all, we all have expectations, expectation in life and expectation when we stand before the Father. You would agree. That's why I ask you the question to say, how many of you loves blessings? And you all put your hands up. I know that you've stepped into 2023 with a lot of expectations because that's what you love. But you have to be in a position of understanding what has already been done for you so that you don't fall into a trap of being a blessing hunter. We have a father and he's a loving father. We are part of a spiritual family of God. That's what Paul told us. Sometimes we are disappointed with God and life in general because we haven't grasped what is already been done for us. We get depressed. I don't want that for you this year. We become fearful. That's not good for your health. We start to live with a lot of anxiety. That is not okay. 
We start to run away from people. That is not okay. You all know it. But you have to know what has already been done for you so that you can stand right this year. Even many years to come. If Christ doesn't come back. Now I have to ask you a question. What is your expectation out of this life? And what is your expectation before God, the Father? What are you expecting of God? What are you expecting out of this life? My son, I came to a conclusion that he had some expectations. And I conclude to say that his expectations were not meant. Because he even made a comment to say, oh, I thought there were going to be a lot of games, but there were no games. Somehow, a little bit disappointed. Now, here's what is true for all God's children. Let's go back to what Paul says in just the verses that we've read. Paul says, we already have everything we need to lead lives that please to God. I asked Paul a question. I said, Paul, please expand on this. What do you mean when you say we already have everything we need? Now, listen to his answers. He said, Andre and the rest of us as children of God, there is this thing called election. It's a big word. No time to go in detail, but hear what it, it, it means. God chose us before even he made the world. That is verse 4 and verse 11. That's good news. That's one of the greatest benefits as a child of God. To know that God already chose you. So, while you are busy trying to think about how 2023 will be like, but I want you to know that God had already chosen you. So, he knew about it. Then there is this thing called sanctification. It's a big word, but here in summary, this is what Paul is saying in verse 4. God's destiny is for us to be holy. Do you want to put something on your list for this year? I want to live a holy life. That is not something we chase after. Because it's something that people can see. It's something that happens internally. And then it affects the way that we live externally. But we don't go for that. We want to go for bigger things that people can see. Want to go for cars want to go for properties, we want to go for all these things, but there is nothing wrong with God blessing us with those things, but 2023, will you think of just adding to your list, God's destiny is for us to be holy through the help of the Holy Spirit. Then Paul carries on, he said that Adoption. 
Oh, adoption. We all know about that. We've got people, friends who have adopted. If you don't know about adoption, is when you go somewhere and you said, okay, there are these kids who don't have parents, you know, and uh, we are standing, we want to be their parents. Oh, what does that mean? Oh, it means we are signing them and they'll even get our sign names and they'll share, you know, they'll live with us under the same roof. Paul is saying here, God brings us into his family. That's what he's saying in verse 5. So God decides to leave the throne and to come down to take the form of a human being so that he could go through the process of adopting us back to himself because he had lost us because of sin when we read Genesis. And he came and he said, you know what? I want to adopt you again back into the family. I want you to carry my identity. This is incredible. This is good news. And then Paul continues to say, there is this thing called redemption. What is that? He says in verse 7, God purchased our freedom. Now, this is not that the freedom that people are burning tires and all that, the freedom, so that all oh, the freedom of expression, the freedom of movement. No, 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 no. This is the freedom when it comes to the penalty of sin and death. And he's saying that God purchased our freedom, which means that we have been set free from the power of sin and death through the death of Jesus Christ. Then he also tells us about kindness in verse 8. He said, God's kind love has been showered upon us. Friends, love is a big thing. In any family, love is what keeps family together. There are even movies which were made by Nigerians said, Blood Sisters. You know, you watch that movie, they'll do whatever it takes, those sisters, because there is blood there. They're family. And what is keeping them together is love. The greatest of all. You can have faith, you can have hope, but love is the greatest of all. And God has showered his love upon his children. You are loved by God. You can live in peace this year to know that God loves you. He has showered you with his love. Whether things work out well or not, but you have to be so secure that you are loved by God. Is that not a great benefit? Because think about this. While you start to fight hard so that your neighbor can love you, your teacher, your employer, your what, you will continue to live into great insecurity. But if you can actually sit and say, okay, they don't love me, but I know there is someone who loves me so much. He has showered me with his love. Therefore, I am not going to be fearful. God loves you. God loves me. We can walk in awe. Then he talks about revelation in verse 9 and 10. He said, God has revealed his plan to us, Christ Jesus. Then he goes on, he talks about inheritance. As God's children, we receive his family blessings. That's what he said in verse 11. Then in verse 
13 and 14, there is this word, indwelling. God gives us his spirit as his guarantee of our salvation. He's given us his spirit as the guarantee for our salvation. Now, let me say this. If all these blessings do not cause us, like Paul, to get carried away in praise to God, we haven't yet begun to understand and experience what God has already done for us. If what I've said, if what Paul wrote for us, and if we can't get it, then we haven't fully, fully understand and experience what God has already done for us in Christ. Now, when you understand all these as a family of Christ, when you understand all these benefits, now the question I have is how are we to live as children of God in 2023 in family? How do we live as children of God in Common Ground Church, Weinberg? How do we live as children of God outside of this place? In our day-to-day -day life, because there is life. Yes, Andre, you share all these things. They sound great, but Andre, you don't understand the challenges. You don't understand how difficult people are. How are we to live with people like that? I love to read from First John chapter 3. If you can please turn with me to that passage. It's quite a long, long read. I'm going to read it, then we are going to go to communion. Because we need to honor those of you who are here very early. We start a bit late and we have to apologize for that. Now, bear with me. We are children of God. We are part of God's family. We just read about, you know, the benefits of being God's children. But how are we to live? Because I know people who are so desperate to chase blessings, especially when it comes to a beginning of the year, people would do whatever it takes. Even Christians forget about their values. They forget about their belief. And they can do whatever it takes because they want to get to what they want to get. John say, see how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. So when I'm talking about children, it is not me trying to make up or to, to put a word into God's word. Children is in the Bible. God because we are part of God's family, he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Dear friends, we are always God's children. And that is, we, we are always God's children, but he has not yet shown us what will be like when Christ appears. 
but we do not we do know that we will be like him for we will see him as he really is and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure just as he is pure remember i was talking about the word expectation we all have expectation in this life, expectation before God, but listen to this. And all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins is breaking God's law, for all sin is contrary to the law of God. And you know that Jesus came to take away our sins. That's what he came to do. And there is no sin in him. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin. But anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning, but the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family, again, there is God's family, do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can keep on sinning because they are children of God. So now we can tell who are children of God and who are children of the devil. Anyone who does not live righteously and does not love other believers does not belong to God. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who belonged to the, to the, evil, to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain, Cain, had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it will prove that we have passed from death to life. This is a good, good verse. It will prove, when we love our brothers and sisters, it will prove that we've passed from death to life. So there is life, there is death, then there is the resurrection life that is referring uh, to here. It is not dying physically, but it's dying spiritually and then receiving the life, the new life in Christ. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. That's those table there. That's communion. When we are going to be taking communion, I want you to keep this in mind. Christ gave his life for us. And this is what the scripture said. This is real love. 
So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Oh. So you have enough. You are blessed by God. You are given all these things, but there is a brother or sister who doesn't have anything, but there is no compassion at all. How will you say that you love God when you are failing to do that to your brother or sister? Dear children, let's not, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth. So we will be confident when we stand before God, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we don't feel guilty, we can come to God with bold confidence and we will receive from him whatever we ask because we obey him and do the things that please him. Remember Paul's phrase when we read those verses in Ephesians? He said the reason why they when they believed the truth was for them to praise God and to give God the glory. In all they do, in the way that we live, in all that we do. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. So it starts, first of all, by believing in Jesus Christ. So even to belong to the family of God, we don't just go and say, okay, I want to be part of this family. No, we have to believe in Jesus because that's how the process of adoption happened. Because it is by believing in Christ, therefore you are accepting that Jesus came in a form of a human being. You know, he died on the cross. He paid the price for us. That's why we talk about redemption so that reconciliation between us and God the Father can be done, can be restored. Those who obey God's commandments remain in fellowship with him and he with them. And we know he lives in us because the spirit he gave us lives in us. This is John trying to repeat what Paul speaks about God's spirit. And they believe so deeply. The apostles, Jesus' disciples, they believe so deeply about God's living in us through his spirit. I'd love to invite us to stand Maybe some of you are here this morning. You haven't believed in, in Jesus. Just want to ask us to bow her head in prayer. And maybe give you the opportunity. This is the first day in the new year and the first message in the new year. Is this maybe... Will you call it an accident if maybe you feel God's spirit speaking to you and saying, I want you back home. I want to plug you in my family. I want to, to work with you. I want to walk with you. I want to be in a relationship with you. If that's you, just 
can just pray this short prayer after me. Then afterwards, we are going to come to communion. I'll ask um, Ephraim and Munladen to come up just to lead us with a landing song. Dear Lord, I thank you for your words. I thank you that your word is rich. Trust Jesus. As we just open your scriptures, we see that there are so many things that you've already done for us. You brought us through the highest prize, which is your blood, Jesus. You came to seek and save the lost, and those who accept you are given the right to be children of God and being adopted into your father's family. I pray for my brother and sister who is here today. Lord, I pray that if you really, your spirit has touched their hearts, oh Lord, and they are feeling the call to make that first step through the help of the Holy Spirit to say yes to you, Jesus, to surrender their lives to you. Lord, I pray that they will find the courage to just say, here I am, I am a sinner. I need you, Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I pray for them, and I pray with them. Pray, I pray that, God, I pray that you help them. Give them courage to say that big yes in your name. For the rest of us, Lord, as we approach the communion table to celebrate the freedom that we've received, from you, Jesus. You came to seek and set the captive free, of which we were the captive. Won't you help us, Lord, as we take the, these elements, as we drink from it, and Lord, as we celebrate your life, your death, and your resurrection on the first day of the new year, Lord, I pray that won't you make these very significant to our walk with you, to our relationship with you. Let us not just take it as usual, but let's take it, Lord, and in, 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 in humility and trusting that, oh God, this will be very symbolic as we start this year together as a family. In your name, Christ, I pray. Amen. Please, let's approach. Let's uh, come to the communion table together. And I'm going to lead us into that. You can grab the two tables. Please feel free to come and... great great way of starting the year with the first communion and uh, you can find a person near you uh, someone to pray with so I'm just going to read uh, a few verses then uh, we will take 
It is my prayer that this first communion in the new year will be very significant to you in terms of your walk with Jesus. That's what I had in mind when I thought and I was preparing for today. I just thought that we need to start a year with the communion. And in my mind, I was praying that God, I want it to be very significant. I want us to really, really take it with humility and to reflect on what you've already done for us. I was talking about understanding and knowing what has already been done. And this is one of the biggest blessings that we've received from God the Father, the gift of salvation, what he has already done for us. And let this empowers you to live a life that is free from fear, that is free from trying to chase things or people, but from focusing and following Jesus wholeheartedly. As they were eating, I'm reading from Matthew 26, 26. Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. So as you are holding that piece of bread, I want you to picture you being in the room on that day with Jesus. This is your Lord and Savior. He's giving it to you and said, take it. This is my body. Already a sign of a servant showing that he came to save us. He came to do something. He did not come so that we could save him. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it. For this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many, to forgive the sins of you and me and many brothers and sisters who we are trusting God to go back home this year. So when you take that, won't you also pray? Think about your family member. Think about your neighbor. Think about your friend. Because Jesus said, this is not only for us who are his disciples, but it is for the many. Let's drink. And let's take the bread. Thank you. you.